thanks for listening to the very first episode of Crab Chats, where we connect you to all sorts of industry leaders from the Krav Maga world and beyond. We're really excited for you to hear from our first guest, Kafir Itzaki, who runs Instinct Integrated Israeli Combatives. Kafir has been training in Krav Maga and other martial arts for around 21 years, and he has been teaching Krav Maga for 12 Kafir is also a first-class sergeant part of an elite urban counterterrorism unit for the IDF. You'll be hearing Kafir have a chat with Krav Maga Systems Senior Instructor Kurt Colpin about his recent experience stopping a terrorist attack in Israel. When we heard about this story, we knew we had to get Kafir on the line and talk to him about it. If you're a Krav Maga student or instructor, I'm sure you've wondered at some point what it would be like if you were caught in a real life or death situation. Now, talking to Kafir is going to give you such an invaluable insight into what this experience is really like. We really hope that by listening to the topics discussed in these podcasts and all our future podcasts, that you'll be able to better prepare yourself for what could happen out there in reality. So let's get straight into it. Here's the podcast and we really hope you enjoy. Hello. Hello, Kafir. Hello, how are you doing, Kurt? How are you? Very good, very good. Thank you. That's good, that's good. I want to welcome you to um, our Krav Maga Systems uh, Crab Chats. Um, it's It's been a good weekend for me. How about yourself, Kafir? Pretty good, pretty good, you know. Um, getting, to, uh, getting back to my routine now. Yeah. Routine, you mean work routine? Yeah, I'm back already to work and truck. Beautiful, my studies. Yeah. Okay. Um, Kafir, before we get started, I just wanted you to uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, uh, how old you are, just some basic details uh, about yourself and and your training, uh, if you could. Uh, well, basically, I grew up in. Uh, in a city in the center of Israel. Yeah. Uh, at, at the age of five, I started training karate, Muay Thai, uh, MMA, and also Krav Maga, which was uh, a constant part of my training. Um, I speak Hebrew, English, Spanish, and a bit of French and Arab. Um, and until I still got drafted, and I was 18, I was constantly competing in Israel. Uh, I was uh, the Israeli champion in karate, also the IDF. And uh, who, who was your trainer, Kafir, or in Krav Maga specifically? Well, I had uh, I had uh, a couple of instructors, but I had a lot of instructors during during my life. You know, when I was doing martial arts, I had. Uh, a couple of instructors, as well as in the army, I had a lot of instructors. Yeah. Uh, but I can say that uh, one of my central influences was uh, Professor Itai Gil, which I met uh, during my military service. Okay. And with whom I also continue to walk closely until uh, nowadays. Oh, wow. I can say that he's one of the few that I feel that I speak the same language with all the way, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when it comes to com- combatives. You know, but uh, but basically, my 
I'd say that my best instructors or like uh, or the real life experiences throughout the years. Because yep. there's no substitute to that. Okay. I've heard a lot of people tell, um, say the same thing about it. Hey? I've heard the comments quite a lot uh, very recently amongst instructors. Um, and he's, he's actually been out here just recently doing a tour. Um, you're, you've got a setup called Instinct, uh, Integrated Israeli Combat. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, Kofir, and how, how you came about the name and, and, and what your school is about and the culture and this kind of thing? Yeah, sure. Um, Instinct, Integrated Israeli Combat is, uh, Instinct, first of all, I thought about, uh, I wanted to find a name that would be coherent with the, uh, with the, with the meaning. So instinct, when I teach, I, instinct is one of the most popular words that I use. So, uh, instinct, um, I also, uh, Israel, integrated Israeli combatives, since this is not only Krav Maga. We do also firearms, we do security training, and so, I would say this is like a more general phrase to say combatants, and it's not only specifically Krav Maga. And it's Israel, since I'm bringing my knowledge uh, from the Israeli uh, arena, such as the military uh, experience, such as the law enforcement and security experiences. Okay. When you say specifically like the weapons and security stuff, it's not Krav Maga. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because from um, my experience, uh, some of the organizations out there teach security uh, framework and stuff, and, and we do also. So uh, how, how do you see that? Um, when I look at Krav Maga, I see that there is, I would separate it to two sections. The clean Krav Maga. Yep. Hand hand combat, and, uh, and also there is uh, the problem that involves usage of firearms, etc. Uh, usually, it, uh, it means that uh, you work with the team in the army, in a two in the army, also as a security guy. There, you need to implement also tactics, like the knowledge of the profession itself, not only the problem guy itself. Not, so it's not only playing problem guy, but you need to know how to be also. Use your weapons and uh, use all the tactics or uh, the material that you are, the, the professional that you all have. Okay. Be more about adapting. Correct. Um, okay. Basically, it's a very diverse kind of combat. On the one hand, it's civilian, on the other hand, it's security, community, law enforcement, and it's a um, it knowledge from all of these sectors. Well, and you're you're just located in Israel, or are you outside of the country as well? Um, I'm located in Israel, also still in, uh, active in reserve in my unit. Okay. And but I travel around the world and give seminars and courses. Okay. I have branches, other uh, branches, all the in the world. Yeah, I noticed you're doing a seminar in Germany some sometime soon. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm going to have a one in front. Yeah. Um, look, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about uh, what happened just recently. There was a terrorist attack, uh, I think it was last week, Kofir, 
And um, mm-hmm. and you know, I read the reports. It was uh, some someone out with a knife, and basically, uh, you saved the day. Uh, you you getting you either gotten or you're getting a medal of honor. And I just wanted you to like share with the viewers. We're talking Krav uh, Maga students and instructors from around the region, our community, probably all around the world who are listening in. And, you know, we want to learn from um, that experience. So could you tell us a little bit more about what happened? Sure. Well, uh, it happened uh, yeah, last week. And uh, I sat in my car uh, in my city where I live. And I tell you, on the other side of the road where the event happened. So I saw a lot of people carrying, scattering uh, different direction and uh, screaming. Mm-hmm. And I assumed that this is a terror attack. I, uh, I got out of the car and uh, I basically searched for some kind of an object in my car. Yep. But uh, I understood that every second counts, so I decided to just get out of the bare handed because every second counts. Apparently, it was the wrong thing to do, the, the right thing to do. So I got out of the car and ran to the other side of the road to find the location of the event and uh, I saw the terrorist plan and he said, I saw him stab an 80 years old woman in her back. Wow. Uh, which immediately collapsed in front of my eyes and uh, I jumped over her and uh, chased and decided that I'm going to chase him. Yeah. Uh, he was, he was chasing other people. It was very, very, very fast. It was faster than everyone though. Uh, I managed to close the gap after uh, after a couple of meters. I managed to close the gap, and uh, he was about to slaughter some three more people over there. Yep. And I shouted, I shouted towards him, so he turned, so he turned towards me, uh, and then I found him with a push kick. Yep. I uh, I hit him, and he was. Uh, he was pushed a couple of meters, couple of meters to the back, and then uh, he ran towards the floor. There was a cosmetic floor, and he ran into it. And then I, he, he tried to stab the the failed the failed one, mm-hmm. and she went uh, she went behind her desk and basically saved her life. He only scratched her, so she was she was okay. And then I um, I decided to I, I looked for a proper object to use. Um, but what I had over there is like a stand of cosmetics or perfume. Yeah. And I took it like a very heavy thing, and it's not like um, a club or uh, or a chair. It's a very heavy, heavy thing. But uh, this is what I had, and this is what I thought was uh, was enough in order to uh, to help me here. So uh, I tr- I tried to all of this time he's trying to stab me. I'm creating a barrier, and then I understood that um, I need to close him to force him to the corner. And then I started to hit him with all the stand of the products and non-stop until I forced him to the corner. Yep. And I I could see that he doesn't feel anything, which is well this is a weird a weird thing to see. Was he on drugs? He, I assume he was on drugs. Okay. Later on, yeah, I assume he was on drugs because his eyes were like, uh, 
you see that this is not, not a, an ordinary, ordinary human being at that point. You can see that he's not, he's not, he's not like us. Yep. So, uh, it's a different, different, different thing that, uh, a lot of people don't understand how aggressive a person can be. Uh, he didn't feel any pain. So, I was, uh, hitting him nonstop. Then I decided that I'm gonna have to deploy the knife. I'm gonna have to go for the knife. Unless, uh, because I'm gonna get stuck. Then I went for the knife technique. The, I need, until the, the knife was released. And, um, then I went for the rear naked choke. And I continued, he continued to resist slightly until he became unconscious on the choke. And he was, uh, choking until his, uh, a lot of water and, uh, fluid came out of his mouth. And, uh, um, his eyes were already, already rolling. He was, he was about to die. And, and in that moment, people were throwing, uh, were throwing items at him and trying to, to hit him. And, uh, I took, uh, I took plenty of shots from them as well, you know. <laughs> but, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was good to see the, the fighting spirit and the determination, determination of the people who came to neutralize him. Uh, and after he passed from the choke, the police started to handcuff him and move him to another store because the citizen wanted to continue to attack him. Yep. Um, so basically they released my choke. I was about to uh, finish the, the walk, but uh, they released immediately the, because because of the legal system, you know, they're afraid uh, of criticism. I understand them, but at that point, uh, it was about to die. Yeah, I noticed in the paper that they um they were questioning you as to why you didn't um deal with the person who was injured initially. Um and that you just went straight in to, to get rid of the, the attacker. Um which which is cool. Um but through your process, Kofir, like you know, how how were you feeling? What was your um you know did you feel at any point that you're gonna die or something that you were gonna be severely injured through the process? Well, um, honestly, like, you know, did, did you just think, no problem, I'm going to deal with this and sort it out, no problem, or did you question your ability? Was there any doubt? I'll tell you what. Uh, <clears throat> during the event, I got small cuts from the glass that I broke on him, okay? Yeah. And also, like, light injuries from the citizens, but, uh, and, uh, Basically, uh, I understood that I have the ability to do it. I understood that I'm the, the only one among these people that uh, uh, could succeed in this kind of in this kind of scenario. And this is not the first time I faced a knife, and it's not the first time I faced terrorists who they who know they are about to die. But uh, since this was an, a, a knife attack, I will tell you honestly. During the chase, I knew that I was I was I was going to get cut. Yeah. I understood that. Already, already understood it, and I accepted it. And I just said to myself, "Well, depends where and how." But you know, when when you're on a mission, then you're on a mission. You must focus your thoughts, plan your moves, and try to act the best uh, the way the best uh, way possible. But um, 
in the Israeli reality, we have to be prepared for every situation. Yeah. So nothing else matters. You're focused on the task, and you, you just rely on your training to um, and your experience to get things done. So you know, win or lose, there's going to be some physical harm. Um, it's not the movies. Um, there's a physical aftermath, uh, an emotional uh, aftermath. You know, basically post-fight stuff, stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, things that happen after, but. Um, and this isn't the first time you you mentioned that you've stopped someone, a terrorist. Um, a little while ago, you stopped a rapist, I heard. Um, is that true? Yeah, correct as well. Um, <laughs> what, happened? When I, uh, what happened there? You see, I'm not too lucky when it comes to real-life scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it was just, uh, just sounds uh, like near my house, I was when I came back home at night and I was planning to go to sleep. Yeah. I suddenly heard very loud loud cries and shouts of let me go, help, you're hurting me. Uh, this is like a central region of my city where I live. Mm-hmm. And loud and loud noises and shouts are the common phenomena. Uh, I constantly hear noises and filters, but I didn't seem to this one. Uh, this is a matter of recognizing suspicious signs out that are out of the ordinary. The ability of recognition can be sometimes can sometimes prove quick. And I invest a lot of time a lot of time in uh, in um, embedding it within my system. So basically when I suspected it I realized that uh, I have no time to get dressed as every second comes so I ran out uh, of my house wearing underwear <laughs> and I saw a man, you know, I, I said to myself, well, give me a couple of seconds to get dressed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, was, then, I was watching a TV show just last night called The Player, and uh, there was a scene just like that, so I had a vision of, of it in my mind. That's <laughs> <It's> pretty <laughs> funny. And, um, yeah, interesting. I saw him, uh, it, was, it was on top of the woman sitting here and trying to let to take his clothes off and I shouted at him to, to leave it alone while he was running. Then he started to run, I chased him and uh, detained him, was resisting, I detained him, then I, uh, then I searched him, he had a knife in his pocket and God bless, the girl was not raped. Later on she decided to start learning from a girl. <laughs> That's good. That's an awesome story. So, um, you you mentioned earlier on, like uh, the common objects, and you mentioned the lady who saved her own life, um, basically by putting a barrier in between. And then you also talked a little bit about using the environment yourself. Um, I wanted to go to the disarming uh, aspect. Some some schools like to say in Krav Maga that uh, disarming is very theoretical, uh, that you shouldn't do it, while other schools. Uh, say, you know, the number one thing you should do is control the knife. Um, I mean, obviously this comes down to the situation. Can you can you tell me the disarm that you did, was it exactly as you trained it or did it require you to adapt? Um, give me a little bit more detail about that, Kafir. Well, basically, I used, as I said, I used objects. Yeah. And I also choose the object to hit him. This, this is something that is important to know. Uh, because before you go for the knife, if you have other options, then do that. Yep. It's not about the knife technique only. Yes, it's important. 
But before that, you have a lot of uh, things, a lot of steps that you can do in order to help you. Yeah. What I used was a wooden and metal stainless product that was there. Uh, and also before that, outside of the store, I decided to go for the push kick. Yep. So there you see a scenario that they teach you in Krav Maga all day long to go for the knife, right? And then I'm telling him, no, I want the push kick. And this was what what changed changed table. This is what was uh, uh, the game changer, basically. Yeah. However, I want to emphasize that what I did outside the store it it was uh, adapted to the scenario. I don't recommend everyone to go for the push kick if they see an act. I would say in some cases it's good. In some cases it's wrong. Yeah. So this is a, this is about the instructor. That he has the responsibility to give the students the the toolbox, uh, the toolbox of uh, of what to do in case of knife. Because this is knife, I would say, that's the most complicated scenario you can imagine. Yeah, definitely. This angles here, a lot of variables involved. Yeah, I, I I haven't started to talk about the psychological part yet. I'm just talking about the physical part. Yeah. Uh, the psychological part is the most important. I'm just concentrating on the physical part. So uh, basically, uh, you need to, to give them the, the students the toolbox. Don't give them just the knife technique. Tell them this is what you do when you when you go for the knife. No, this is wrong. You need to understand that every scenario has its characteristics. And, uh, if you are, if the instructor is not experienced enough. Um, I suggest that we would take advices from people that walk in scenarios, mm-hmm. and so it doesn't uh, it doesn't uh, make your students get fixated on one technique because this is good. If they are fixated, they're dangerous. It's dangerous. Okay. So I know a lot of um a lot of people who train Krav Maga and lots of instructors have never actually been in a situation like this um, that we're discussing and. Have never been involved in um, conflict, you know, um, in their mm-hmm. lives. So, you know, it, is that what you would say to them? Um, is there anything, anything more you can say? Um, I get that you you mentioned that for them to learn from other people's experiences, but you know, sometimes I hear instructors who just really want to get involved and get into a fight just to have that experience. Um, what do you what do you say to these people? So you're asking whether uh, if an instructor that has never been in a situation like this, if he would be able to implement his abilities, right? What he did in, in the instructor. Yeah. Uh, I would say that uh, this is a million dollar question. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, I've been through a lot of, a lot of, a lot of experience, violent experience. This is, in my opinion, this is a functional character. And the way the subconscious of the individual is programmed. Again, this is a function of, of the character of the individual and the way that his subconscious is programmed. Uh, the most, this is the most violent situation you can imagine. Though so people with operational experience or military, police and so on, I would say that their odds to survive the most violent situation like that one is the highest. That is, of course, when you are experienced real-life situations. And I emphasize the real situations 
the chance that you would respond respond well to the things. Regarding training, uh, I think that if you train, even if you train a lot, if you even if you then train a lot, thousands of repetitions, like I had thousands of repetitions in my life, even if you do that, I am not so positive when someone facing uh, 24 centimeters or 10.4 inch blade held by a crazed drug terrorist and try to confront him. This is not something anyone can imagine. It's it's that simple. I just it tells me to every everyone is strong, everybody is strong during training, but this is not what you think it is. In the field you freeze up and before you realize you're in a real situation you are stabbed. It's hard for me to express it's hard for me to express how it feels during a real situation, especially when you're around. When you see your opponent has already stabbed three people, including a eighty years years old woman, you know? Yep. But uh, at that pessimistic note, pessimistic note, I would say, on the other hand, I believe that uh, with specific training, with a very specific training method, it's possible to uh, to succeed. Uh, sadly, I've not seen many structures that uh, successfully really change the sub their subconscious or the subconscious of their trainees. So in real situation, they can react adequately. Many people nowadays they focus on irrelevant things during training and waste their training time. In training, maybe you, re- you react in training. Okay, the, you react automatically after you repeat same technique uh, enough time. Correct. Yeah. There is an automatic move of your body. But um, in a real life situation. I think the body refuses to perform it. Fear is stronger. That's, that's what I'm saying. Fear, the fear is really stronger. And it's because of inadequate instruction. If you don't really believe, if, this is the most important point. If you don't really believe in your techniques, you're not going to perform them in real life. Yeah. The key is, the key is, uh, this is a message for all of the instructors around the world. The key is to penetrate your trainee subconscious. And, and how you do it, I cannot explain it over the phone. Uh, this is the things that I do in my seminars, in the courses, and uh, these are the things that they do in long, long training sessions of special unit operators. And I incorporate all of the subconscious, uh, subconscious things and techniques and methodologies in my seminars. I'm also, I'm a graduate of uh, NLP course, if you know. Neurolinguistic programming. Correct. Awesome. So I'm a coach of all that as well, and I, I integrate a lot of my insights within my program session. Okay. That's uh that's quite interesting, actually. I'd like to know more about that. Prob- probably too detailed for us to talk about right now. Um, what do you think? Well, uh, I can say a couple of words about that. Um, basically, it's the, like you said, neuro-linguistic programming, which is it's an approach to approach to communication, like personal development, uh, psychotherapy, which basically says that uh, 
there is a connection between the the neurological processes and behavioral patterns pattern that uh, that they learn through experience, and that this can be changed to achieve specific goals in life. Um, so the key point is to uh, well, we have the conscious and the subconscious. The subconscious is responsible for most of our actions. I say that nowadays, Pharmacan structures focus on the conscious part, which is the technique, which is how to move, which is good, it's very good, it's important. It's highly important, but I would say, if you want to prepare your students for a real scenario, then just, uh, you need to talk to the subconscious, because the subconscious will raise in this situation. The conscious will be forgotten, most likely, yeah. and then, then uh, the subconscious will rise. The so it's mental conditioning, training yourself to succeed, uh, because I use NLP for um, lots of different things, uh, success in general. And in this case, you're using it um, uh, as part of your training to teach people how to deal with conflict mentally, yeah? Correct. The psychological part is the one And how do you do it? It's not the question. It's not for a couple of minutes on the phone, but uh, this, is, this is what I do with my operators in the army. And they're facing uh, daily challenges, daily violence scenarios. And um, from time to time, I, I managed to develop my the methodologies that are uh, that could really, really influence their reaction in the field. And well, yeah, a lot of we can we can discuss uh, these things for hours. The only the methodology. I understand. I read um I read in the online article that that says that uh, some people that. Sorry, that you say that people have the responsibility to do what they can to protect other people's lives. Um, and, you know, you've, you sustained injuries, um, but, you know, you also mentioned that some people would rather, you know, basically preserve themselves rather than help others. So what do you think about that? What do you say to those people who, who kind of criticize you for what you did? You you're getting a deep a deep question. You're getting a deep question here, huh? <laughs> this is this is a very important part. Um, and as I said, the psychological part is the most important. The psychological part is uh, divided into the the way you train as well as your values. Yeah. And I tend to look at Krav Maga as an overall coaching method for life in general. Uh, Kravaga covers many fields of life, such as uh, verbal abilities, uh, uh, body language, yeah, decision-making and making ability, as well as development and positive, and positive, definitely positive qualities, such as assertiveness, working under stress, etc., etc. Holistic uh, mm -hmm. yep. And that's alongside self-control and high level of morality. I believe that the idea of Kravaga instructor needs to supply students deep value system that includes more than just technical part of training. But the bottom line, the most important thing I would say, me personally, uh, I'm a Jew. I'm Jewish, okay? Yep. And as a Jew, I can say that in our Torah, which is the first uh, five books of the Bible, there is a command, 
which is which is not uh, The translation is "Do not stand idly uh, by the blood of your neighbor." Mm-hmm. This is this is the original law where the Good Samaritan law came from. And the Good Samaritan law was adopted later by the rest of the nation. Uh, this law is a very strong basic principle of Judaism. This is how I was privileged to be educated by, and uh, in my opinion, to risk my life and save others is something that is in my DNA as a Jew, and also as a warrior and instructor. Combat, now, we need to understand the complexity, the complexity in Israel. Combat is not just outside Israel's borders, it's inside. So, tell people could have been my relatives, you know? Yeah. It could be the grandmother that was that could be my grandmother. And we are we are one big family here in Israel and uh, I would say another command that says the Ahavka which means uh, what you would like to have done to you, do it for your name. Yeah. So um uh, brought the Torah to the world and in the Torah are certain values that became universal. Right now these values are universal. Uh, as a result, I believe that everyone of us has a global, like, global moral responsibility to, uh, to apply them. And, uh, this is a system of value that every Kronoga instructor, Kronoga is an Israeli method, correct? I believe that, uh, when you go to Japan, then, uh, you see the karate masters, the way they talk to the students. All the ceremony things like uh, paying off us, and all us. this stuff. Us. And but you're you're Australian, right? Yeah, man. Why do you say us? Uh, we don't say us, but the karate people do. Um, so if you train in karate, why do you say us? Yeah, I think it's the tradition, the culture of the system. Correct. So I say that Krav uh, Maga is an Israeli method. Then. Uh, you know, I'm not checking, taking the credit, I'm just saying it, 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 it comes with some value. So you say um, Kida? I don't say anything. <laughs> you, don't, you don't bow in when you start a class or anything like this? When I do crop my gown, no, not really. You know, it's, uh, out of respect, I, I, I do that to a lot of people in the streets as well, but, uh, it's not like a specific ceremony that I perform because Kramaga is street fighting and uh, I just say that the basic tool, the basic moral uh, system that Kramaga brings with it, within it, yeah. is uh, mutual uh, involvement. Kind of teaching, teaching people to be better people, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember one of the one of the masters uh, I spoke to one time. He told me that uh, even what do you say? Good people do uh, good Krav Maga, but bad people do good Krav Maga as well. So there's lots of people who are training in this system uh, for their own reasons. Um, but I guess I guess you try to keep to keep this kind of people away when you're when you're teaching, right? Or you can pull them to your side and teach them your values. Yeah. Every, every person has the ability to change their beliefs. Okay, that's interesting. So you teach a bit more like a a mind, body, a, a holistic way of living. That's pretty awesome, Kafir. 
Um, on the other hand, I would say the training is not only psychological. When I when I train, when I teach, I I always instructed to be very aggressive, to use a lot of aggressive drills. And one of the ways that I managed to penetrate the subconscious of the trainee is through um, bringing him to the limit. And then I start to talk to him. And using the limit, I want to see what he wants. Before that, everybody is home. Sounds like you push these guys to the limit and then you give them uh, positive sort of affirmations and recoding them in a way. Definitely. I would say I break them and I build them. Yep. Yep. uh, In the arm, this is what what we do. We break the students, uh, the folders, and we rebuild them the way we want. it's a hard process, but uh, I take time. The results are very good. Kofi, we've gone about 36 minutes, buddy. Um, we were actually meant to go for about 20 minutes. So, uh, <laughs> mate, we've talked about a lot. I want to thank you very much for um, you know, sharing your experience and your knowledge. Um, there's a lot of Krav Maga, you know, people, students, um, expert instructors, people who will listen to this and learn from it. So thank you very much. Before we go, Kofik, can you share with us your Facebook address, your web address, anything that you're doing that you want to tell us about? Uh, well, you can find me on Facebook my name, with my name, Spiritaki, and also uh, we have a page of instincts uh, on, the, on Facebook, also on the web, the website. Yeah, it would be easy to find definitely post something up as well uh thank you very much buddy um hopefully we speak again sometime soon and um once again thank you very much my pleasure Kurt. thank you very much take care buddy Shalom. so there it was our first ever craft chat we really want to thank kafi itzaki for taking the time to share his experience and his opinions on krav maga training Let us know what kind of insights you got from this podcast by sharing them in the comments section. Also, let us know who you'd like to hear from or what topics you're interested in. We want as many people in the Krav Maga community to be involved as possible. Your input will help shape the focus of future Krav Chats. We'll do our best to tackle the topics that matter the most to you. Thanks again for listening.